in an increasingly fast-paced world driven by financial and productivity metrics, how realistic is it to create a psychologically safe environment for everyone while remaining focused on maintaining high standards and accountability? Could empathetic leadership be the answer for improved team dynamics and loyalty while simultaneously sustainably driving performance? To help us maneuver the delicate balance between empathy and accountability, we have with us John Massey, the Head of Leadership and Professional Development at SAP Digital. With 30 years of sales and sales leadership experience, he believes in the power of connection, competition and self-improvement. John is an avid learner with a Master's in Transformation and ICF Coaching Qualifications. He values giving back to the community, having raised over 100,000 euro for charities and leading various diversity initiatives at SAP. Together, we'll explore the role of emotional intelligence and what it means for team morale and productivity. John will share fascinating stories from his career, illustrating how empathetic leadership can solve complex problems. It is going to be a thought-provoking conversation. So let's jump in and don't forget to like, share and subscribe. I'm your host Akshimola and you're listening to SAP Experts Podcast. Welcome, John, to the SAP Experts Podcast. Now, when it came to this topic, actually, I was reading Harvard Business Review the other day, and I came across the topic of empathetic leadership, and you were the first one that popped into my mind. So you are the perfect person to be speaking about this topic. So I really appreciate you being here with us today. Thank you, and delighted to be here. Great, great chance to to meet you again, and uh, let's see where we go. Absolutely. So we are all much more than our bios. And I think you would agree to that, John. And uh, especially considering today's topic, I would love for our audience to get to know you in your own words. So who is John Massey? Who is John Massey? John Massey is a big kid at art, um, still very much enjoy uh, life, enjoy meeting people, enjoy the gifts that it gives back when you get to meet people but also appreciative of, of what I have and uh, enjoy my job probably more than I should. Um, but I think one of the things I've always said to people is find your joy, find what you enjoy doing, and then that's you'll spend time in that space enjoying it. So I love playing football. I love time with family. And I enjoy the coaching aspects, the mentoring aspects, and the interactions you have with people in the work that I do. So I was sales for 30 odd years, sales management for almost as long and always part and parcel of that. I was always connected with people. If it was customers or it was employees or it was partners or the, the, the vast ecosystem or stakeholders. So I've always been around people in terms of the jobs I've done the team games I loved. I played lots of different sports, but the soccer was always the one that I got drawn back to. And I like having fun. I like enjoying it. If you'll be eight hours of the day and you're not laughing at least once every hour, you're in trouble. Agreed, agreed. And, you know, uh, you said you're a child at heart. And for all of us uh, within the team digital, you are our Yoda, the wise one. Uh, so you. with that said, you know, you said you really enjoy the coaching, the mentoring aspect. And 
I feel one of the most important aspects of that is empathy. And so to jump right into the topic, empathy and sympathy, folks often get these two confused. They often treat them as synonyms when they're not. So what, according to you, is the major differentiator between the two? Great, great, great question. And I think sometimes people see it's the relationship that you have with people. Sometimes you'll be sympathetic, sympathetic with, um, I've got three grown up children, um, at this stage. And some people will say, you know what, you're more sympathetic if you know the person. And I think that in the work context, I think that empathy is about being able to try and understand the person, try and understand where they're coming from. Whereas I always see that when you're more sympathetic, it's almost that you must feel sorry for for the individual. And I think that those people that understand that, that's often not what people want. They just want you to uh, make a connection and disrespect where they're at. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to go to the same place. And I think that's where empathy differentiates itself between uh, sympathy. And I think it is the ability sometimes just to make that connection. I'm quite lucky uh, in that I've probably been blessed through my life with um, people that seem to have uh, that quality. And I think it rubbed off on me. I had a grandmother um, who was very good to me when I was growing up. My father uh, was paranoid schizophrenic. Uh, my mother was alcoholic. So when you grow up in that environment, you find somebody who helps. Now, she never, ever treated me with sympathy. She always treated me with you're going to do well, you're going to do better, you're going to be the best that you can be. And I think if she treated me differently, perhaps I'd have given a different answer to the sympathy and the empathy. So I think from a very early age, and I'm the oldest of, of, of three, and from a very, very early age, expectations on me were high, and she made me expect more of myself. And I think that that piece, that level of empathy, well, has always stayed with me in terms of that's the difference you can make with people or for people just by being there. Um, sympathy, absolutely understand that it's also an important part of life and, and different emotions at different times. But in my experience, people don't want you to feel sorry for them. So I think that empathy is probably the one that's certainly more prevalent in the workspace. Speaking of that, Rick, really... Uh understanding and making that connection with uh, the person. How do you define empathetic leadership? You know, taking that empathy and bringing it to leadership. And why do you believe it is essential in a workplace? I think it's essential in a workplace. I think it's essential in the lead in the leader and in leadership. But I don't think everybody, every leader has it or every leader is because um, we're all we're all different. We're not all built the same way. But a leader that has that, uh, that, that has the skill can connect. And if they can connect, they can also help the person move quickly um, in a direction, ideally forward, but in a, in a direction. Um, what I see is those leaders that don't have it, they are often then become the ones that uh, are misunderstood. And what you hope that they have is enough awareness or good people around them to say, hey, that's not your forte. And those that understand it's not their forte put people around them that it is their forte. Yeah. And they recognize it and say, hey, jump in. Now, the flip side of that, and this is why it's important for leadership, is people sometimes misunderstand the role of a leader. The role of a leader is to make decisions. 
the role of the, of the leader is, is even when those moments where you may have the deepest sympathy with the situation or empathy uh, of a situation, you still have to move forward. You still have to be practical. You still have to be pragmatic because you're focused on outcomes. And I know we deliver outcomes through people, but I think that's where leadership becomes tricky. And I think those leaders that manage in tough times, but hold their head, hold their manners, uh, hold how they communicate with people. They're the ones that for me show the best signs of what an empathetic leader is at their best because they know the pressure's there, but the individual's feeling the pressure. And mm -hmm. rather than push all the pressure down, they help the person manage. And sometimes you'll almost see it become a, a, a positive um, adrenaline or positive pressure on, on the individual. And they know which persons to do that with and which persons not to. I managed this, the first sales team I managed with, and funnily enough, I was out with one of the, these gents last night. I would just say to him, you're in second place. And he would run. He'd run as fast as he could because he did not like being second. But right. another person who I wasn't with last night, but he was, um, if you put him under pressure, he would cave. And mm. his pressure wasn't the pressure of the job. It was the pressure of doubt. So if you doubted him for one second, he, he, he would not be the same. And I remember that, um, my manager put me under pressure to put him under pressure. I said, no, he's going to be fine. And where they ended up at the, in the end of the year, that particular sales year, um, was the person who always wanted to be first was first. But the person that was seventh or eighth of 10 all the way through the year, he finished in second, second place at the end of the year. And everybody was astonished. And I was asked about, how did you know? And it's just that you make that connection with the individual and knowing how the individual worked in different circumstances. And I think that in some ways, maybe that's something that's more natural to myself. I don't know if that's the case, but I believe it could be. But by paying attention, by coaching, by listening more, and by um, taking time, even when you say hey, there isn't time, sometimes mm. five minutes to actually listen to somebody will gain you an hour at the end of the day, will gain you an hour in two weeks' time, because the person themselves then gets to where you're already at. So I think that empathy, a lot of that also comes with the other skills around it. So listening to people, asking good questions, asking the simple question like, what's the worst that could happen? Right. Or following up on something and saying, did you try that yet? How did you get on? And just using different language can also be the piece. So that where empathy comes into it with leaders, people think, oh, well, I have it or I don't. It can be a learned skill, but it's little tricks around asking questions, it's little things around listening. It's also going back to somebody when it was the last day of the quarter. You weren't at your best, shall we say, in a moment. But you step back to the person the following week and you say, I didn't cover that properly with you last week. Have you got 10 minutes now? And by the way, apologies. I should have dealt with that a little bit different. But if you apologize, don't go and do the same thing in 30 days' time, in 90 right. days' time. So it's those small pieces because empathy is also something that people judge you on, but people judge leaders on being fair, being consistent far more than they'll ever say they're an empathetic leader. Mm. They'll say they're fair, they're consistent. John makes decisions I don't like, but actually if I ask John to make that decision 10 times, John will go through that same process 
and actually he would be fair. So if you asked him or I asked him or someone else asked him, it would be fair. So whilst empathy is important and it's different perspectives from different people, the connection that you make back to people, I see more often than that is fair, consistent, fair, consistent. We are under pressure. We have yeah, to grow yeah. this business. We have to build. Right. We don't have all our people in place. I hope we're constantly like that. I hope we're constantly in that growth mode because that's a positive pressure. So when you talk about empathy, it's also how you manage the pressure, but how you release the pressure, not just for yourself, but for the people that you lead. And I think that very often where it goes wrong is if a leader's feeling the pressure and they don't let any of it out or they let all of it out. Mm -hmm. And I think your team, it's okay for your team to know that right now we're in crisis mode. And so that comes down to communication. It doesn't mean I'm putting it all on them, but you, this is the problem. This is the challenge. This is where we're at, but this is the plan. And this is what I need you to do. So you involve them rather than give it all to them. Right. Don't keep them completely in the dark. So again, that builds with trust and that builds trust. That builds with trust and that builds trust. I absolutely, absolutely love that. It's so profound and yet so simply said. And, you know, one of the things that you said really resonated with me about that whole thing about being in middle management, right? You're getting the pressure from your high ups, yet, you know, it's up to you whether what you do with that pressure, how much to release that and uh, how much to keep it and whom and how to share that positive pressure. Because like you mentioned, some folks are motivated by that, whereas some others might buckle under that pressure. So it is not one size fits all. And I think that's the most important part as well of being an empathetic and um, an empathetic leader. And, uh, you know, you did mention consistency. And yes, consistency of decisions, I think is important. But right, uh, like you said, that not the same approach for everyone. It's not a one-size-fits-all. And another thing you mentioned, John, which really struck me, was like, maybe it comes naturally to you. You said something like that. And I would love to hear your thoughts about the importance of emotional intelligence, because, you know, that's something you possess. Uh, you know, our life experiences can make us have more emotional intelligence. Uh, but do you think it is something that can be developed? And the reason I ask that, because some folks, I feel, I see them, they're calm, they're composed, they're cool as a cucumber. However, there are some who are firecrackers. I know I can be quite the firecracker sometimes, and that, that has been a superpower as well. But with that said, I mean, it's not always a superpower. Uh, so, you know, what would you say to the firecrackers, the energizer bunnies, to the passionate folks, sometimes when the passion comes out too much, can people really help it? Yes, they can. Um, and the reason, the reason being, I think that often we forget there is stimulus and there's, there's reaction. Mm -hmm. And whatever the stimulus is, we'd we never know what our reaction will be. However, right in the middle of that, there's a thing called the freedom to choose. And I think that quite often when we're under pressure, we forget that we have a choice. And it's very often you see people chasing and working on things that they can't control rather than coming back and saying, right, what are the things I can do right now? And the classic is somebody waiting, waiting for something to happen and it stops them from doing anything else. So whilst this action, maybe it's a big deal, maybe it's a sign off, whilst they're waiting, if they go and do something else for those two hours, maybe call another customer, 
maybe do something that they needed to get done that they've been push, pushing off while they get this done. That two hours is going to come, but they've used those two hours productively. And then they do what they don't get the answer that they're looking for. So I think we need to step back sometimes and think about what is it we can do with the time right now. So that's a small part. Can it be learnt? Um, yes, I think you can learn to be um, more organised. Uh, you can learn to recognise that in this moment right now, this is how, how I behave and I need to understand and accept, okay, here are my triggers. So when you start to understand what your triggers are, and if you look at SDI, SDI says that they'll understand your own triggers and then also look at the triggers for other people. So can it be learned? I think there's things that we can do to, to be better at it. Even if we say that some people are more natural than others, there are also things that can be overused skills. So that awareness works even for somebody who's got high emotional intelligence because that passion, as, as you mentioned there, what you need sometimes, or I need sometimes, or a person needs sometimes, is just who's the person that at any stage can say to you, reel it in right now, bring it back right now. This is not the moment. Mm. So it's also that piece of have good people around you, but have people around you that will nicely, perhaps, mm. but they'll always tell you when you need to be told. They'll always give you the feedback that you need. And the other piece on that is seek out feedback. Ask people for feedback. And I think we don't do it enough. And I think, unfortunately, when it does happen too often, it's given in the wrong way. So if I'm going to give you the feedback, it might be actually, let's not do it in the meeting. Let's take you to one side and say, hey, I hope you don't mind, but please. And I'll tell you, many, many years ago, I was in uh, customers and I was presenting to the customer. And as I was presenting to the customer, my sales director <laughs> literally said out loud opportunity for feedback and I'm kind of looking kind of going he didn't really just say that and in the middle of the customer meeting he gave me the feedback so I happened to drive uh, to the customers and I'm going back a long time and I didn't speak to him all the way back to the office and he never said a word he knew I was fuming and I'm a very patient person um, as a rule but don't disrespect. Don't treat me or others with disrespect. And it was three months later, three months later, we never spoke about it. Three months later, I was at a customer's. I was about to do exactly the same thing that I'd done on that day. And as I was about to do it, I went, actually, he was right. So in that moment, I recognized the feedback he'd given me was completely the right feedback. So I stopped myself doing what I was about to do sat down and asked the customer questions. Mm -hmm. So I then went back into the office and I spoke to spoke to him and I gave him the feedback. I said, don't you ever, ever give me feedback like that again and embarrass me. Mm -hmm. And he's looking at me in complete shock. And I said, I said, the reason is this. I said, the feedback you gave me was spot on. I learned from it, but it took me three months to realize what you were saying. I said, now I get it. Now I completely get it. But you could have done that afterwards. Or you could have said, just before we go there, just give me a moment, John, please. And you could have taken over the meeting. And I would have followed that cue. So it's also about being open to learn. It's also about creating a space where people learn. And in the job that we do, and I do, and my team do, that's what we try to do. We try to give people space. And you'll be shocked at the conversations that I have and the team has. 
And sometimes you're pulling somebody back and sometimes you're pushing people forward. But it's never with judgment. And it's always with that piece. So what's the best that we can create and move forward from these right. situations? And again, coming back to the empathy piece and coming back to decision-making, I don't know that I'm right all the time. There's a good chance that I'm not, but don't tell everybody that. Um, so you also have to be that, that person. We kind of go, this is how I did it. Right. Please go try it. Because we're the sum of our experiences. And that's what builds us, builds us up. But never stop having new experiences. And that's why I love what I do. Because you can go in and you can try something different. You can add new skills and you can always learn something as you're adding those new skills perspectives change because you've learned something new so for me a lot of a lot of what we do day by day is also a benefit for us and when we when i look at the people that we work with you can learn something new about those individuals as well and again for emotional intelligence for anything that is around um getting the best out of people the better you understand somebody's triggers not just your own the easier it is to motivate, to manage, to lead. Beautiful. And, you know, I really liked what you said about providing feedback, because, yes, we are chasing targets. There's a certain uh, standard that needs to be maintained. And a lot of folks fall into this autocratic uh, uh, trap of being in the mindset of naming and shaming and really providing that harsh criticism and saying that I'm just being transparent and you can't take it. And this is the correct feedback. And yes, whereas it might be correct, uh, we should always be respectful, be mindful, maybe not say it so publicly, give a personalized, constructive, I think the constructive is the key word, uh, feedback. So, you know, today, uh, John, we covered a plethora of topics. We covered empathetic leadership. We covered emotional intelligence. But now there is one more buzzword I want to throw your way, and that would be psychological safety. So what does that mean to you? And how do we actively promote psychological safety among our team members? Uh, I don't like the, the, the phrase um, for, for, ma for many, many reasons, mm -hmm. uh, mostly because I don't think we should have to talk about it. I think that it's just something that should, should be very natural in terms of what we do. Everybody has a job description. Everybody has a job to do. Uh, everybody has to come in and uh, uh, earn a wage. And for me, the framework that we work in should always be safe. It should always be one where there's respect, where due diligence is done, where people listen to each other, talk to each other, are inclusive. And the psychological safety to me means that people can be themselves. Now, people can be themselves, but also sometimes that person being themselves, the person has to manage themselves as well because the environment you're in is a work environment so there's also respecting the environment so when you talk about psychological safety i think it works it works both ways now, if i look at my own team and i look at the experiences that i've had over time the pieces i talked to you there about being consistent about giving feedback about taking feedback about asking for feedback about listening about being respectful um that fair and consistent that and those small and simple things, giving the people a framework that they can work in and work to, that provides a lot of what we call the, the, the safety. 
And when I work with a new manager, I always say the first thing you do is tell people what you expect of them. But before you do that, ask them what they expect of you. Mm-hmm. And when they tell you what they expect of you, when you give them the, the feedback of what you expect of them, bring that into it. But immediately you're opening a dialogue. And a dialogue that happens four months after you've been working with somebody, they've already got used to certain norms. So you have to have that dialogue up front. So at least people know. And when you look at leadership trust and the leadership trust scores, often, and I've seen this with, with um, other organizations as well, people don't like getting a leadership trust score that's low because they think that people don't trust their integrity. Mm-hmm. And it's nothing to do with their integrity. It may well be, but the reality is that what people are judging you on is do you know what you're doing? Mm-hmm. Are you competent to do the job? Do we have confidence in that you're taking us in the right direction and the business is going to be successful? So that trust is in credibility. That trust is in reliability. Mm-hmm. That trust is in intimacy and your self-orientation. And what people miss is we talk about those pieces, then we come back to psychological safety. Well, credibility, I'm working for somebody who knows what they're doing. And I'm working with somebody who, when they don't know what they're doing, say, I don't know, I'm going to go and find out. And then I know that they'll reliably come back to me and give me the answer. They won't leave something unsaid because they don't have the answer I want. So it just festers. So when you talk about that psychological safety, all those small pieces bring you back to being in an environment where you have psychological safety. I look at the situation where we say there's lots of change going on in the organization. There is, and there isn't. My job is still the same, but I might have a different audience. The expectations are still the same, but I'll come in every day and I'll do my best. Now, do certain elements change? Yes. But if you're a salesperson, you still got a sales target to hit. If you're building demand, you still got to build demand. If you're building and creating digital assets, you're still creating digital assets. Okay, maybe in the old days, it was using this tool, now you're using a new tool. So maybe the means that we use are different, but the asks that the company have on us are the same. So if you provide a framework where people understand what's expected of them, and then you provide the support to help them, and then you look at, okay, how can I grow this person? How can I help them grow in the areas they want to grow, but also the areas they need to grow? Which means you're part of that conversation which means you're giving them feedback, good, what worked well, bad, even better if. If you follow some of those very basic principles, that whole idea about psychological safety means this. I want to go to work, I enjoy my job, and I enjoy what I do. Because you're not thinking about whether it's safe or not, because you're just behaving naturally. You're behaving in a way where you don't think about the environment. Now you've got psychological safety because I'm coming in and I'm performing at my best. And that's what you're looking for. And that's what we're all looking for from the teams we have. And I consider myself extremely lucky with the people I have in my team and many of the people I work with. They've got that same mindset. Mm-hmm. But the people in my team, we speak, but we don't speak every minute of every day. They're all around the world. If I had to stop and speak to them every day, I'd be stopping them from working. I'd be stopping them from being effective. But I do know if I see a note from one of them, pick up the phone, have a conversation, and vice versa. So you build a rhythm, 
And what we do in the workplace, work environment, is about rhythm. And when we're off, and it is true, when we're off, there's something in the basics that we're not doing. Mm-hmm. And that's where, again, the psychological safety then becomes your network. Because your network is the ones that say, you know what, let's lift them up, let's help them. I think it was the land of giants, was the, was the name of the book. I might be wrong, John Amochi, he was a basketball player. And he said that for high-performing teams, they would hold each other accountable. If somebody was off their game, they'd tell them, hey, you're off your game, what can we do to help? Mm. But they tell them they're off their game first, and then they would help. And what was interesting when he, when he spoke and heard him speak in the book, I'll, I'll send you the book details afterwards. Yes, please. He said that high-performing teams hold each other accountable, but they hold themselves accountable first. And it was a nice way of considering, actually, actually, do I hold myself accountable? Yes. Do I want to be part of a high-performing team? Yes. So I think it's those pieces. Now, does that mean there's high psychological safety in that team? Yes, it does. Mm. Because it, we rely on each other and we trust each other and we'll call each other out when we need to in the right way and it's not taken offensively. So I like the idea of it. I think we talk way too much about it for the simple reason that it should be something that's there as a given when you start in working in an organization work with people you should be able to just get on with and understand what's expected of you and have the support there and the framework there to do to deliver in your wow so today i've learned so much and all these things which might have been dismissed as buzzwords have so much more nuance and so much more context and what i gauged is how to actually apply them in a tangible way in your everyday work life so with that said john thank you so much for sharing all that wisdom with us anything else that you would like to share with our audience today always make sure as a manager you're talking to the people that you work with particularly your team and be open be prepared to be humble be prepared to listen to what they say because if you're in the right relationship they're not judging they're asking for help or they're pointing out things in the ways that i can be better and they're also listening when you're pointing out ways where they can develop as well just so management and leadership and i do sometimes really make a point of the differences you have to do both um you have to manage before you lead um because you need to put the framework in place for people but it's that connection that you have with people, that spending time with people. It might be five minutes, but make those five minutes count. Make them worthwhile. And that's the biggest thing for me and the managers I work with. I don't believe that any of them don't come in to do a good job. I see the stress. I see the pressure. And I always try to bring them back to, hey, what's the worst that could happen? But by the way, what are the things that you can focus on? What are the things that you can control? And the biggest thing they can do is they can spend the right time with their team on the right things, on different things. And by doing that, they they learn about the people, people learn about them, they build the connection. And I guarantee you tomorrow, if I said to my team, I need you to do this, this and this, they'd roll their sleeves up and say, hey, let's get on with it. And that's, that's an amazing, amazing um, gift that I have in the work that's given to me by those people because it's trust. They trust me and I trust them. And so that comes from connecting. So connect with your people, connect with other people outside your team 
because he, the people in your team, you get the day to day, but it's everything else is based on exactly the same principles. And it's about building relationships based on trust, but having conversations. So for me, that's the biggest thing for me to say, get off the tech sometimes, pick up the phone, have a conversation with somebody. Beautiful. Pick up the phone have a conversation. Now we're in a global village with so much technology in a good way. So yeah, you can always jump in and have that face-to-face. I'm also um, work with the Business Women's Network. And mm-hmm. one of one of the pieces I, I'm in there, I'm the uh, head, head of allies um, for MEE, EMEA North and South. And we're just going to kick, kick, kick that off and do a lot more uh, around that. And the allies piece is about equality. The allies piece is about how you treat each other. Mm. And um, as I, I always said, is there's the human race. That's the only race. But what you see in that is a lot of the the, the, the values. It's not about uh, one being better than the other, but it's about trying to bring people to the same line and saying, right, you've now got the same the same chance because some people will step forward, some people don't. So we'll be looking for more people to join us as allies but just consider that in terms of when you feel excluded and when you feel included and that's a big part of what we're trying to do as an organization now Mm. is we need to bring people with us so we should also be creating that environment where we, we are very inclusive with the people that we that we work with because we've got so many new teams there might be people that have got a single role they might be struggling with like who are the other people in here that can help me? So that piece around connecting and speaking to people and getting to know them. I think it was Justine Desiradutz has a coffee with people just to find out what they do, complete random strangers. And I think those, those small things can make a big difference to the culture that we have. Look at that. We started with empathy and we ended with empathy when you said think about what it feels to be included what it feels to be excluded and that was such a full circle moment of this conversation and with that said to our audience if you would like to also learn more from john i will be posting his uh, linkedin in the show notes below and with that thank you so much for joining us and listening to sap experts podcast thanks actually thoroughly enjoyed